we're going to be starting a new series, and I'm going to do my very best because I know that we are merging prayer and, and Bible study together, and so um, I, I, I'm going to do my best to, to get it all in, in in the time allotted. So if it takes a little longer to study this two-chapter prophet or prophetic book, it's just going to take a little longer to study. That's just what it's going to be, right? We'll just break it up into the weeks. Maybe instead of seven, maybe it'll be 12, 14. I don't know. Well, it depends on how, much, how fast I could talk and how fast you could listen. We'll see what the Lord has way. So this series is called Under Construction and um, titled it that because when we go to this book, it's a, a, it's a minor prophet, not minor. It, when we looked at the Hose, book of Hosea, I said, not minor because it's unimportant, but minor because of the length of the, the passage. It's only two chapters. If you were to merge the two chapters together, there's 38 verses in total. Haggai is the book that we are studying. If you don't know how to pronounce it it's um, spelled h-a-g-g-a-i hey guy and that's all you have to remember but tonight as we just go into an introduction of this book we're looking at first the foundation first the foundation it's probably the most easiest of reads of your um, prophetic books at least I found it to be a little more easier to read. Sometimes they have all these little analogies or images, and you have to try and sort through what exactly they're meaning, what is the oil, what's the dripping. And, and, uh, but Haggai is so easy to, um, to read along. But if you were to look at uh, Zephaniah, it's a little harder to read. And you have to really think and ask God for some revelation as you're reading that book. The key verse that I want to look at tonight is Haggai 1, the latter part of 7, so 7b and verse 8. Consider your ways. Go up, build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. Build the house. Build the house. What does that mean? Well, if anybody has ever built a house or has ever watched a house being built, you know that the very first thing that needs to be done other than digging a hole in the ground is building a foundation. Go up and build a house. And so tonight we have to go to the very foundation of it all. But in order to understand the foundation, which we will even look into next week, we have to understand what is happening. What has led Haggai to this place of saying to the people, go up and build a house? What is the, the situation that is taking place uh, for the children of Judah at this time? Like, have you ever heard people say, oh, that's old-fashioned. Oh, that's old hat. I was speaking to a, a, a young person um, some weeks ago, and uh, they were saying, oh, when I get married, I'm going to have um, my, my brother officiate. And I says, oh, is your, is your brother, like, how will he officiate? Oh, you can get a thing online now so that you can officiate. I says, oh, that's, that's good. Wouldn't, wouldn't you want a minister to, to like, you know, officiate? <laughs> oh, no, that's old-fashioned. 
I was like a little mortified by that. I was like, oh, so this is what the generations have come to. It's old-fashioned. Oh, that's old. And so sometimes when we say we're going to study a book in the Bible that's from the Old Testament, the first thing people do is keep on turning the pages till they get to the New Testament. Because the Old Testament is old hat. They keep scrolling. But suffice to say, this book has something that's very relevant for us. Something that we can glean from and we could apply to our lives in our everyday building in our spiritual walk with the Lord. And so we have a people. And this people was led into exile by the Lord. He was going to correct them, discipline them. And the Babylonians came and They took over Judah after 70 years of being in exile and being controlled by the Babylonians. uh, The Lord sends an answer to the people. Many of those that were in Judah, or many of those... um, of of the tribe of Judah were were comfortable in Babylon. They had grown used to being there. And and so after a while, they weren't necessarily thinking, well, I need to leave this place. I much prefer to go back to my homeland. And and so they settled there. But there were some 50,000 or so that were longing to go back back home, to rebuild the ruins of, of back home. And so during this time, there comes a king and his name is Cyrus and he was a Persian king and according to 2nd Chronicles 36 verses 22 and 23 it says now in the first year of Cyrus king of Persia that the word of the Lord came by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus king of Persia so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing thus says Cyrus king of Persia the Lord the God of heaven has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem which is in Judah whoever is among you of all his people may the Lord his God be with him and let him go up and so now Cyrus has told the people look if you want to go home to rebuild the temple of the Lord God has given me that mandate and I'm releasing you out of this place of Babylon to return back home and who do they go under but the leadership of Zerubbabel but this charge that Cyrus had made was prophesied by Isaiah a hundred years before and in the word of God we would find in Isaiah chapter 45 where Isaiah even calls out his name as Cyrus and verses 1 to 6 says this and and it's so powerful when you read it thus says the Lord to his anointed to Cyrus, whose right hand I have grasped to subdue nations before him and to loose the belts of kings, to open doors before him that gates may not be closed. I will go before you and level the exalted places. I will break in pieces the doors of bronze and cut through the bars of iron. 
I will give you the treasures of darkness and the hordes in the secret places that you may know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who call you by name for the sake of my servant Jacob and Israel, my chosen. I call you by name. I name you. Though you do not know me, I am the Lord, and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I equip you, though you do not know me, that people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord. There is no other. One hundred years before, Cyrus tells the people, you can go home and rebuild the temple. Isaiah prophesied it. Isaiah prophesied it before the foundations of the earth Establish in God's book concerning your life, he has ordained things that you were called to do. If he could do it for Cyrus and call him by name before it happened, so likewise with you. And so Zerubbabel takes these people. And they go into Jerusalem, the land that God had promised their forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And upon their arrival, they established their homes. And after establishing where they are going to live, they are all gathered together. Come on, let's come together. Everyone, come, come, come. Let's meet up and let's make a plan and they are going to begin the work of rebuilding the temple of the lord but something takes place before they make any action before they are putting a spade in the ground before they are calling all those that are gifted in in cement work they rebuild the altar of the lord they rebuild the altar of the Lord. Whenever you are going to make an alteration in your life, whenever you are going to make a shift, a change, whenever you are going to do a rebuilding, there has to be a return to the altar of the Lord. There has to be a time where you will go to the altar of the Lord and seek out exactly his plan concerning that project. And so it's significant for us to know they didn't rebuild buildings for their government and say, okay, well, we need something for our prime minister so he can make plans according to the rebuilding. We need to have a structure where the, uh, the architectural part of the city can come together and determine exactly the parameters of this temple. No, they went to the altar and they made sacrifices and they worshipped God at the altar. And they did as it was ordered in that time. And it was apparently during the time uh, of August 29th where Hag- Haggai comes and makes a plan. But... Uh, makes a, a, a call before them. But in this time when they are rebuilding their homeland, in Ezra chapter 3, it says this, Then arose Jeshua, son of Jozadak, with his fellow priests, Zerubbabel, the son of Shetel, with his kinsmen, and they built the altar of the God of Israel to burn offerings on it, as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. They set the altar in its place for fear was on them because of the peoples of the land, and they offered burnt offerings on it to the Lord, burnt offerings morning and evening. First thing, 
before any plans were made, before any steps forward were done, they went to the altar of God and they prayed. They worshipped. They sought God. What else did they do? They worshipped God and celebrated together. There was a sense, we call it in, in, in our church when we have our fellowship Sundays, koenya, when after the service we take time to, to celebrate together, to, to have fellowship. And Ezra 3 verse 4 says, And they kept the feast of booths as it is written and offered the daily bird offerings by number according to the rule as each day required. The Feast of Booths, the Feast of Tabernacles, otherwise known as the time of Sukkot, when they would come together to remember the goodness of God to remember how he delivered them and, and Moses out of their times when they were held engulfed by Pharaoh, when they were held ball and chain, if you want to say, by Pharaoh. And they're recalling the goodness of God's deliverance over their life. And as they're recalling that, they're just having that time of Sukkot. They're having that time of festive. And you know what? Interestingly enough, Haggai, the name Haggai means festive. And so during this time of recalling the goodness of God and to, and to reflect that all he had done, they, they took time to worship God before they did anything in the natural, before they did anything in the physical, before they turned to developing any plans, they turned to God. And they built his altar and worshipped him there. We have come to initiate our, our new fall season. And we're bringing the word of God and marrying it with a time of prayer. Why? Because anything that will come hereafter could only come about through the working of God's Holy Spirit. Anything that's going to take place in the church is not just by the, 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 the fancy words that we would get up and speak, but it will come from the birthing room at the altar of worship, at the altar of prayer. And so they established a spiritual foundation first before they made the physical foundation. They established the spiritual foundation of their temple before they established the physical foundation of their temple. And they went to God. Ezra 3 verses 10 to 13 says, And when... The builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord. The priests in their vestments came forward with trumpets, and the Levites and the sons of Asaph with cymbals to praise the Lord, according to the directions of David, king of Israel. And they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for he is good isn't it nice how we sung the song without joshua necessarily knowing that we sang your goodness i thought you would all sing it to me running after me your goodness is running after me they said for he is good and his steadfast love endures forever toward Israel and then it goes on to say and all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the Lord of the house 
of the Lord was laid. But many of the priests and Levites and heads of father's house, old men who had seen the first house, they wept. A loud voice when they saw the foundation of the house being laid, though many shouted aloud for joy, so that the people could not distinguish the sound of the joyful shout and the sound of the people weeping. For the people shouted with a great shout, and the sound was heard from far away. The foundation was laid. The foundation was laid. There were cries of joy there was happiness there was elation but there was sadness because the sadness was looking at the past and saying but but what we had before was so much bigger it was so much larger it was so much better and now what in comparison from what we had before to now what we had. But the young, they weren't caught up in the before. They were caught up in the presence, uh, the present moment, and they were worshiping God. And so there one problem arose. The old remembered the good old days. The old remembered the days of Solomon when the temple was large and in charge. And everything was great in all of its splendor. This little temple, this little foundation, it's just so small. It is nothing in comparison. And and it grieved their hearts. And isn't that the way it goes? We start a project we start doing something we you know what i'm going to start reading the word of god every day i'm going to read the word of god in the next 30 days i'm going to get a bible plan and i'm going to read the bible through in 30 days and we get on the momentum and we're all excited and day two it's like oh my gosh i have to read this many chapters and we begin to lose momentum and then the day three we're like how can i keep this up and the enemy begins to lie into us oh put it aside you don't have time for all of that and we begin to get discouraged we started this big project because we heard about the pastor we heard about this one and oh they read the bible every day and they've read it through three times this year and i haven't read it through once in my lifetime and we get all discouraged because we see the old and how big and splendor it is and the enemy comes in We start to rebuild ourselves. We want to rebuild our relationship with the Lord. And what happens? The enemy comes in. He wants to tear you down the moment you start rebuilding. He comes in to stop the rebuilding of your temple. He comes in to stop the rebuilding of your relationship with God. And he comes in to to, uh, disrupt what God is doing. There was another thing that happened, though. Aside from there being that discouragement from the comparison of Solomon's temple to this new temple that was being built, the other thing that started to take place was there was a group and uh, they were going to come in and they wanted to be a part of the building project. And they were like, let us help, let us build. We're going to look at that in just a moment. But it says, the people of Judah and Zerubbabel, they saw their plan. And they knew that these people that were wanting to join in were going to stop 
the work of the Lord. You go to Ezra chapter 3, verse 4, and I didn't give it to, to Joshua, but if you go to Ezra chapter 3, verse 4, Ezra and Nehemiah, you will see what happens. Now, when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard, verse 1, that the returned exiles were building the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, they approached Zerubbabel and the heads of the father's house and said to them, Let's, uh, let us build with you, for we worship your God as you do, and we've been sacrificing to him ever since the days of Eshredan, king of Assyria, who brought us here. But Zerubbabel and Joshua had and the rest of the heads of the fathers houses in Israel said to them you have nothing to do with us in building a house to our god but we alone will build to the lord the god of israel as king cyrus the king of persia has commanded us they had discernment to know that these men who had come in, oh, we're going to build this house with you. Come on, let's do it. We worship your God. We pray to your God too. Let us help you. And uh, 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 the bells and whistles went off. Something's not right here. They're coming across as though they're in alignment with, but they're not in alignment with. In fact, yeah, they, there's some there's some correction to their uh, correct statements that they are making. They do worship God, but they worship also many gods. They're not just committed to the only God. And so when we are going to begin that building phase of restoring our life, building our life, getting ourselves stronger in the Lord, we can expect that opposition will, uh, will arise from around. We can expect that the enemy could try and come to divert our plan. Oh, well, you know, I was reading... Along, my, my son is reading a, a book right now, and so this morning he was talking with me. Uh, it's called The Twelve Rules of Life. And um, so he was talking with me, and he says, You know, Mom, so what's the difference between God of the Old Testament and God of the New Testament? And so, because this book is talking about the differences and that, and so we had a discussion on that, and, and long story short, there is no difference. <laughs> There's no difference. But anyhow, suffice to say, sometimes the enemy will plant an idea through reading something that is going to be developmental for your life and get you steered off on a wrong track. Causing you to believe maybe there is a different God in the Old Testament than there is in the New just a side thought. The enemy will come to oppose whenever you are trying to rebuild. Whenever you are trying to go into that deeper place with God. And didn't Second Timothy 3 verse 12 say this? Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. You can expect opposition to come. If you are wanting to follow Christ, if you are wanting to live after his ways, you can expect it to come. And so the second thing we also see, and I'm, and I'm wrapping it up, I promise you. The second thing we also see is that these believers came because they wanted to appear as though they had 
alliance with the group, but they did not have alliance with the group. As I said, yes, they worshipped God, but they also worshipped many gods. How do we know this? Second Kings 17 verses 27 to 29 said, Then the king of Assyria commanded, Send there one of the priests whom you carried away from there, and let him go and dwell there, and teach them the law of the God of the land. So one of the priests whom they carried away from Samaria came and lived in Bethel and taught them how they should fear the Lord. But every nation still made God of its own, gods of its own, and put them in shrines of the high places that the Samaritans had made, every nation in the cities in which they live. And so, yeah, they knew about God. Yeah, they worshiped God, but they also made gods of their own. And so... Zerubbabel and the people, Joshua, they were entuned in the spirit that when these individuals came in, they were entuned to say, no, 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 you cannot work in alignment with us. You cannot work in alignment with us. We are rebuilding this temple, but you cannot be a part of it. As a result, you know what happened? The people became discouraged because the work of the Lord came to a stop because the oppression became greater. They began to isolate themselves to their home. Discouragement will do that. Depression will do that. It will isolate you from others. You will withdraw. You will not want to be in around others. And so they withdrew to their homes for some 16 years. Can we just stop and consider for a moment, it's necessary to have this little segue of a history lesson, though it's only in part because this is where we have reached in the book of Haggai. The people have gone into their homes. The people are discouraged. They are hopeless. Their leader is feeling discouraged, and he is feeling hopeless. And Haggai comes in, as a messenger of the Lord. Discouragement and fear are very two powerful obstacles that the enemy will use to stop the work of the Lord in your life every single time. If you are feeling discouraged, you can know the enemies behind it. If you are feeling fearful, you can know the enemies behind it because those are two powerful Things that he will use to stop the work of the Lord in your life. And when he does so, if you bend to that, it will stop you from going forward. They will come when we least expect it. You will turn around and say, how did I get, how did I get fooled by that? How did I not see it? Because the enemy is stealth. The children of Judah were rejoicing when the foundation was laid and yet the enemy attacked and discouragement began to set in and eat away at them. What did God do for them? What will he do for you and I as we begin a new beginning, as it's fall, as all the children have come back to school, as we start a new semester? We can expect that he would send a reinforcer just as he did for them. He sent them Haggai, and Haggai came with a message. He sends even Zechariah, and their messages 
were specific. And over the next several weeks, we are going to look in the verses of Haggai 1 and 2, and we are going to see the specific message that God gives to the people that they could come out of their discouragement, that they can come out of their fear, and they can return to build the house of the Lord together, that he would be glorified. And verses 7 and 8 says it this way, this is what the Lord of heaven's army says, look at what's happening to you. Now go up to the hills, this is the New Living Translation, bring down timber and rebuild my house, then I will take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You know, we have to take for serious what God is doing. We've come out of our COVIDness and we've come into a new season and we need to embrace it with that, that embrace that they took and go right to the altar and saturate the new season with prayer. I'm going to tell you because as we saturate the new season with prayer, there will be that close with, closeness with our Father that we are longing to have and when you have the closeness with your father that you desire to have deep within you you will know his voice you will hear his voice and you will be able to discern it amongst the many other voices that want to come and speak into your ear gate and i'm going to tell you that the lord made this example to me as we're as I'm studying the book of Haggai and last Friday morning I have a parrotlet it's a miniature parrot and last Friday morning I'm sitting at the breakfast table and I'm having breakfast with my mother and I noticed that my dog my dog is 15 she's incontinent she wears a diaper just let's move past that and so anyways I notice she's outside with the diaper she doesn't need it when she's outside and so I get up and I says oh my goodness she's out with the diaper let me go and get it and my parolet comes with me what happens when a parolet who is just used to being with me on my shoulder and everywhere I go in the house now is outside in the widest spans of freedom. What happens to that parallel? Well, it just goes la 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 and it flies away. Brothers and sisters, I was devastated. That, that, that bird's my best friend. That bird insisted that every night before bed he had to go to sleep beside me on my pillow and I would even set an alarm so I can take that bird and put him in his cage. He had a little, little cage in my room and that's where he slept. The rest of the day he would be out in the, in the, in the house with me or in his cage for, you know, I'm devastated. I'm devastated. He flew off. I come running in the house. I says, Rico's gone. Rico's gone. Rico has flown off. My son heard, heard me from the basement. He comes running up. He says, how did he get away? We both go out and we're out in the front of the house. I says, all I know is he flew to the front of the house. We're in the front of the house. We're calling Rico, Rico. I'm going to fast forward this and spare you all the details of walking around the park, uh, the block, calling out Rico, looking like a crazy lady. Rico, 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 going up and down the street, calling out for Rico and he's nowhere in sight but I'm going to tell you that I began to listen very closely 
I began to listen very closely because Rico knows how to imitate the squirrel's chatter. Rico also knows how to say his name. Rico, 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 Rico. He knows that there are things that Rico will do. He imitates. And so I had to, as I'm walking around the block, in the sound of the many, many birds, in the sound of the many squirrels and the barking dogs of the neighborhood, I had to close my ears to every single sound and listen for the sound of my Rico. I'm calling out to him and he's not answering, but I'm listening for his sound. And, and my son is with me and we're circling around and my son says to me, Mom, he phones me on the phone, where are you? I says, I'm on, I'm on this end of the street, blah, blah, blah. He says, come meet me. I think I hear Rico. And so I go meet him at the, the church at the end of the street and we don't, we don't hear Rico. But as we're walking back, We've done everything Google told us to do. Put the other cage out, put this out, put that out. We did all, we did it all. As I'm walking back with Luke, he says, Mom, I hear him. I says, Luke, where is he? And we're looking, Rico, Rico, Rico. He says, I hear him. And he climbed a tree on the front of a boulevard of the neighbors. And um, as he's in the tree, Rico's not there. He says, Mom. I hear Rico. I said, but where is he? He says, he's not in this tree. He's in the tree in front of me. He gets down from that tree and he climbs it like a, like a Tarzan. If I could, I should, have given, I should have given Josh the picture, but trust me, he climbs it like a Tarzan and he gets up into the tree and he's 30 plus feet up. And I'll tell you why I know. I went to my neighbors and grabbed the ladder. It's 15 feet and it extends. And... I extended it another few notches up, and he was yet another 15 or so above those notches. And he says, Mom, he's in the branch. He's in the branch. I found Rico. I says, Luke, reach and grab him. So he reaches forward and, and, and he grabs the, the, the bird. At first, the bird was timid, you know. And he, and he puts the bird on his finger. He says, how am I going to get down with the bird on my finger? I need both my arms to come down. I says, I'll get you a box. I run to the house. I get a box. I put a blanket in it. Going to make it a nice ride down. That bird wasn't going to go in the box. That bird flew off again. He had to climb another few branches up to get him. And the bird is smack dab next to a raccoon. He says, Mom... I don't want that raccoon to wake up and spray me, you know, or, you know, pee on me, whatever they do when they, when they get nervous. And so anyways, um, he, long story short, he gets the bird, he puts it on his head because Rico likes our hair and he gets, and he puts it on the head and he comes down. And as he comes down, now a group of neighbors have come to help us. They decide that we're not crazy and loony. They decide to help us, these people that have been shouting Rico all morning. It's two and a half hours later. A post has been on the Internet, and all people are, are sharing the post and everything. We have Rico. He's on the ground, and as my son reaches to grab him, he flies away again, goes onto the fence, and we got him. But what had us to find Rico? We had to listen for the sound. And we had to know the sound of our bird. 
we had to know his specific chirp. And how do we know that sound? Because we've spent time with him. We've taught him. And so we know his chirp. When he imitates our golden finch, at 9.30 at night when the golden is nice and sleeping, all puffed up as a little yellow ball, there is Rico chirping as if it was 9 o'clock in the morning. Why? Because he knows how to imitate the golden. And so we knew the sound of Rico. As we go through the book of Haggai, I want to ask you to say, Lord, I just need you to push out the other sounds, and I need you, God, to help me to hear your voice, to know the sound of your voice through your living word, because as you speak to me, when I go back to that altar, when I start at the altar, and I start praying, and I start seeking your face, and I start to seek you, and my eyes are on you, and it's not distracted by those that want to come and make alignment with me. My eyes are fixed on you. Then, Lord, I know that your living word will be. My sheep hear my voice, and my sheep know me. And so, Lord, as I begin to study Haggai, may I know your voice, and may you build your temple in me, that you, God, you, God, you, only you may be glorified may be glorified because that's what he desires to do to be glorified in your life that you would be a living temple for his glory that others would be drawn to him through your life why? because you spent intimate time with him because you were in that altered place to be altered to be rebuilt, to be reformatted for his glory. We're not just coming together to have a good time of a Bible study and a prayer and a hallelujah moment. We're here to be altered by the hand of God so that as we are coming out of the COVIDness, we are entering into his holiness. And his presence that anybody walking by this church would be magnetized by the spirit of God and drawn in. That as they come in, they would hear the word of God and they would be changed from glory to glory to glory. Transformed by his presence. Can we pray? I'm just going to surrender it to Pastor Dino and, and Josh as they come and, and lead us. But I know um, Sister Anna Maria called, and, and I did mention this to Pastor Dino. She called uh, before service. She's asking us tonight to pray for her. I'm going to insert it now because she may not be able to stay. She's fallen three months back, and she hurt herself considerably. She's in rehab and physio, and, and nothing is resolving the pain, and she can't sit for long periods of time. And she realized um, today or this week that she hadn't called upon the church to pray for her. She's been praying but she realized the importance of calling out to the body of Christ to pray for her during this time of need, that God would touch her and restore her and heal her body. So 
as, uh, uh, yeah, because she says her mind has come under a complete attack of the enemy during this. The enemy has just in, in, invaded her mind and her thoughts. And so I said it only because I heard her say, and my mind. Otherwise, I would have kept that in the phone call, but we're going to pray and, and believe God for our dear sister. Uh, Pastor Dino is going to come in. And, and Pastor Nadia, and um, we're going to turn into that prayer time, okay? I, I, um, I don't want to take any more time because... Come, sister. Yeah, okay. <laughs>